I flew to St. Louis the next day, then drove to Derry Hills, my present fairly permanent residence. I kept thinking of mother and daughter reunited, the saccharine interloper vanquished. In contrast, how fortunate I was in my life, even though I was now a widow. My relationship with my own daughter Emily is strong and loving, and I take great delight in Emily's family. For myself, I'd spent more than fifty years as a reporter, enjoying every minute. Those days are behind me now, but I face new challenges every day. I welcome them. My life is full and happy. I was glad to be back, suddenly eager to get to work on my new book. I hurried inside the house. I was just unzipping my suitcase when the phone rang. I reached for it with no hesitation. My dear, it's good to hear your voice. That was all Chase said. He didn't identify himself. He didn't need to. Even after all these years, I recognized that confident, assertive voice. Truth to tell, I would know it anywhere this side of the grave. Still, it was characteristic of Chase to assume he would instantly be known, characteristic of that fine, careless arrogance that had vaulted him to immense wealth and power. I didn't answer. Henry, please hear me out. There was a faint sound that might have been the ghost of laughter. Or should I call you Henry O? That caught my attention as nothing else could have. It argued knowledge of me, Henrietta O'Dwyer Collins, long past the time we'd shared. Hello, Chase. I said it pleasantly and evenly, as though we had parted the day before. Not four decades before. I heard my own voice, controlled and non-committal, with a sudden sense of inevitability. Subconsciously, I had, for more than half a lifetime, expected this call. What do you want? That drew a familiar bark of laughter. God, you never change, do you? I didn't contradict him. But of course, I had. The young woman he recalled was almost lost in the mists of memory and those particular memories I had no intention of resurrecting. The reckless young reporter whom Chase had known so well was now a woman who had spent five decades covering fires, disasters, wars, revolutions, murders, and public scandals. What do you want? It wasn't quite a challenge, but it came near. He was silent. That was unexpected. Chase with nothing to say? Had the glaciers melted? The sun turned back in its orbit. Finally, grudgingly, he spoke in a troubled tone I'd never imagined hearing from Chase. Henrio. And there was no hint of laughter now. There was only a naked, helpless honesty. Henrio, I need your help. I wanted to put down that telephone as if the call had never come. I wanted to return to my life as I had lived it for so long but I continued to hold the receiver in a tight grip. Finally, as reluctantly as he had spoken, I answered. It was the answer that had been foreordained more than forty years before. I took time to glance at my mail and substitute fresh clothes for soiled ones. Before I closed the suitcase, I took out the two framed photographs I always carry with me. I glanced at the picture of my late husband, Richard, and wished that he was here now, with his grave thoughtfulness and quick, steadying humor. It was Richard who had first called me Henry O. 
He claimed I packed more twists and surprises into a single day than O. Henry ever did in a short story. The studio portrait of my daughter was recent, and it captured Emily's beauty, glossy ebony hair, vivid aquamarine eyes, a finely boned face. Emily, the delight of my life. I looked from one familiar, beloved face to the other, then placed the photographs on my bed and closed the suitcase. I called Emily's home in the Rio Grande Valley and left the message that I would be gone for another week, visiting a friend in South Carolina. Then I was ready to leave. It was easy enough, physically, simply to turn around, pick up the bags, and head back toward St. Louis and the airport. Chase had already made a reservation for me at the Marriott there, where the ticket for tomorrow's flight awaited me.